show filled with epicness, insight, and comedy rages. Welcome to We Love That Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of We Love That Podcast. I'm so glad for y'all to join us here today. My name is Paxton Pritchett. I'll be the host of this episode. Like I said, glad that y'all joined us here today. If you haven't liked or subscribed to Wheel of That Podcast yet, I so hope you do. That means a lot to all of us. Yeah, so let's get started on this. So today we have a lot of stuff to talk about, you know, because all the time, I feel like Marvel and Star Wars and really anything Disney, they're just dropping all the time new stuff, new stuff, new stuff, new stuff. And no, we're not talking about She-Hulk. Thank you. <laughs> Man, that show has been, I've had mixed feelings like a lot of people. I'll be honest, is probably my least favorite MCU show. Not because I just hate it because, you know, I'm not woke or something. You know, it's not, not, nothing polit... But best way to say it, I just don't like it too much. But we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. I just, it's not my cup of tea. But that doesn't mean I haven't laughed at all during it or had a good time during certain parts. I mean, Wong's in it, and Wong is fun. He's great. So... But Marvel, like I said, they, uh, yeah, that's my She-Hulk tangent for the day. But yeah, tantrum, I don't know. Anyways, so now I'm off track. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, Marvel. Marvel, they, Disney's just been dropping stuff left and right for Marvel. Like first they had that thing earlier this year. I don't even remember what it was. It wasn't Comic-Con. It was before Comic-Con. We had a whole episode called Marvel Overlord, or Overload because of all the new content they dropped for it and announcements. Then they had Comic-Con, which we talked about a few episodes ago, where they just dropped a whole bunch of stuff. And now they have D23, the Disney Expo. It's just exclusive to Disney, where just everything Disney's talked about and new uh, stuff is talked about, big stuff's announced, you know, over there. They had that, and they also dropped a bunch of stuff for Marvel. So... Yeah, Marvel just like left and right, boom, new stuff, new stuff, new stuff, new stuff. We're announcing new stuff and new stuff and new stuff. So yeah, we get to have another episode dealing with a bunch of Marvel, which I think I've said a billion times on the show. I feel like the show is half Marvel, like half Marvel, a quarter Star Wars and a little bit of Halo. <laughs> like That's almost the whole show, I feel like, but we love Marvel. So they announced a lot of stuff. One of those was they made they did a trailer for Werewolf by Night. What on earth is that? I thought the same thing because I, I, I didn't grow up reading the comics. But Werewolf by Night is about a person who could turn to a werewolf. And it's a special. It's a Halloween special from Marvel Studios. They released the trailer. The trailer looked like this 1940s horror movie is the way the trailer was. And... Like I said, it's about this guy who can become a werewolf at night or something like that. And it's just interesting. I, I really enjoy how Marvel flirts with different genres. You know, the MCU is changing. You know, it's like 14 years old. And I just watched this video saying, of course, it's in its awkward stage because it's 14 years old, you know. But <laughs> it was kind of funny. But yeah, the, the MCU is growing. It's getting bigger. Like you first had those like eight original movies, you know. You had those original six or so in phase one, and then phase two, it got bigger, and then phase three, it got super big. Now phase four, you got a bazillion projects and a bazillion more announced. So what's really interesting is that since Marvel is branching out, 
if you'll notice, they're starting to change genres. Like, not everything Marvel has the same genre. I mean, like, you had Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which felt kind of like typical Marvel. But then, on the other hand, you had Moon Knight come out, which Moon Knight was much more of that psychological thriller slash Egyptian mythology and, you know, adventure aspect. And now this is going to be that horror, but also vintage horror, you know, like that 1940s feel. It's all black and white, maybe even some added static just to make it fun and make it reminiscent of 40s. And the trailer came out. It was it was weird, to say the least. But I think that's what they're intended. One of the things that strikes me the most about this special coming out, one, it's a special. It's not a movie. It's not a TV show. It's just a special. It's a Halloween special. I guess kind of like the Charlie Brown Halloween special, you know, something you watch every Halloween or something. But so I really have no clue how long it will be other than that it's just called a special. So I don't know if it'll be like a little movie, like an hour and 40, hour and 20 minutes, or is it going to be like a special on TV? So like just 40 minutes, the size of a regular episode of TV. I really don't know. But it's directed by the film composer, Michael Giacchino. Giacchino, I don't know if I've ever met someone which I never met Michael Giacchino, but I don't know if I've ever saw someone as busy as this guy. I mean, this guy is a film composer. He's like Hans Zimmer and uh, John Williams. You know, he does the music for movies, the film scores. But he's done a bazillion film scores, I feel like, this year. Like, he did The Batman and he did Thor Love and Thunder are just two superhero film scores. But apart from doing a lot of different film scores, which The Batman, great score, by the way. I'm not, I don't know a bunch about film scores, but... You know, just that theme for the Batman and the Riddler's theme, if I remember right, was good. But yeah, the Batman was good. But this guy, along with all those film scores he does, he now has directed this Marvel special. I don't know if he's directed anything else before, but like the fact that he directed it and composed it. The only other person I know that did that is John Carpenter, you know, the legendary horror filmmaker who did the first Halloween, he also composed the score for Halloween and directed it. So, like, he's stepping on those type of lines and doing both. And I find that pretty cool. It probably just gives him a different way of viewing it. I don't know, like, is he, while he's filming it, is he thinking of the score in his head that's going to play with it? Like, he doesn't have to consult the film composer because he is the film composer. He doesn't have to consult the director because he is the director. I mean, he's a renaissance man, I guess. That's really cool. But the trailer, so the trailer is basically about all of these monster hunters, which I know that it is Marvel because it's based off a of Marvel comic. But if we're just, if you're just an MCU user and not like a comic book fanatic, you, it doesn't make too much sense because it doesn't feel very superhero-y like. But it's about all these like monster hunters inside this house and they're all in this challenge to get this werewolf. But in the midst of this trailer, I didn't even notice this until I saw it, an article talking about it, but TVA agents are in there. If you remember TVA agents, the ten, not Tennessee Valley Authority, but the Time Variant Association or something like that from Loki are there. What are they doing there? They're like the guys who are controlling the sacred timeline, or as Owen Wilson might say it, the sacred timeline. Wow. No, I'm just kidding, but Owen Wilson always says wow. But yeah, like... It's there here. These TVA agents are in there with their big sticks, you know, that when they hit you, it vaporizes you and takes you to the end of the universe. Remember how that happened to Loki and Sylvie? 
man, I can't wait for season two of that show. But the fact that they are here makes absolutely no sense. I mean, like, what are they doing here? These TVA agents, does this mean that there's this multiversal sacred timeline thing going on here in Werewolf by Night? And also, why is it in black and white? And look, feeling like a 1940s horror movie. My theory is that it takes place in a different universe. And that universe, you know, because Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and Loki really opened up that whole multiverse aspect to the MCU. And I bet you my guess is that Werewolf by Night takes place in another dimension where everything feels black and white and in a 1940s horror movie. Could be. Could not be. It also says that Man-Thing, who is either an anti-hero or a supervillain, is going to be in it. And, yeah... I also read that one of the enemies of Jack Russell, who's the werewolf in this, is Moon Knight. So if Moon Knight was in the special, I would freak out, you know, because I love Moon Knight so much. And I mean, hey, maybe their paths will cross in the future. That'd be really cool if this werewolf guy was in Moon Knight season two or three or something, or if Moon Knight is in something to do with his werewolf. Never know. I don't know. Will it be good, werewolf by night? We'll find out. I don't know. Next up on our list is Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion is a highly anticipated MCU TV show coming out next year, and it's going to be the return of Nick Fury. Nick Fury has been kind of missing from the MCU. You know, he's one of the very first characters. In fact, I think this will be the oldest used character up to date in the MCU. I mean, he's been back since the original OG 2008 Iron Man movie. In that scene after the credits that was filmed so secretly, nope, they didn't want anyone to know that uh, Samuel L. Jackson was going to be in here as Nick Fury. And then, like what, 14 years later, 15 years later, he's coming back still to do this. I mean, that's, that's, uh, he's been in here a long time. The only other character that, that's that old and frequently used still I can think of is probably Happy, uh, John Favreau. You know, he's in Iron Man 1, I'm pretty sure. It's been a long time since I've seen Iron Man 1, but he was in uh, the Spider-Man No Way Home a few years ago. But yes, Nick Fury's going to be in it, and it looks like, to me, the coolest Marvel show since Moon Knight. The trailer came out, and you should totally go watch it. It deals a lot with the scroll, you know, those guys from... Uh, Captain Marvel, they're in the war with the Kree Empire or something like that, and they're, they're apparently going to play a big role in this. I bet you they'll play a big role in the Marvels. You remember how, uh, I'm sure that this is also related to that scene after the credits from that movie Spider-Man no, uh, Far From Home a few years ago, where it revealed that Nick Fury and uh, Maria Hill were just scrolls in it, in uh, Far From Home. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It looks really good. The trailer really, like, impressed me so I remember something like Kevin Feige saying it's going to be one of the biggest if not the biggest like Marvel crossover up to date or something like that he said he mentioned some big stuff about it being a crossover and just big stuff about it and I'm saying the same word big stuff all over again but yeah I'm looking forward to it a lot we also had the Marvel's trailer air but sadly the Marvel's trailer a Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer and like first footage for Loki season two and uh, Ant-Man the Wasp Quantumania. A lot of that stuff was like behind closed doors. So we couldn't see it. Like it, it's not up for everyone like Werewolf by Night and Secret Invasion trailer were. But we they got new trailers for that. So likely we'll see a new trailer or really a first trailer for the Marvels and Black Panther Wakanda Forever. A new trailer for that pretty soon, hopefully. 
Not to mention we learned at D23 that Fantastic Four has a director attached, and that is Matt Shackman, who has officially replaced John Watts. John Watts directed this Tom Holland Spider-Man trilogy. He directed Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man Far From Home, and Spider-Man No Way Home. And first off, kudos for what he did for Spider-Man No Way Home. I mean, like, give that man a round of applause because that film was great. I love seeing Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire back. But apparently he needs to take a break from superhero films or something because he is not going to, he stepped down from directing Fantastic Four. Instead, John Shackman, well, Matt Shackman, sorry, is directing it. He apparently directed WandaVision. You know me, I'm a sucker for WandaVision. I loved it. So him doing Fantastic Four, you know, they didn't talk about the cast for Fantastic Four, but I do believe this will likely be the greatest Fantastic Four movie ever. It's going to be better than the 2015 Fantastic Four movie because most things are better than the Fantastic Four movie in 2015. And likely it'll be better than the Fantastic Four two movies they made in the early 2000s and that one in the 90s that no one talks about. So... Yeah, I'm hoping it'll be a great movie. I'm hoping eventually they'll reveal the cast of who's going to play Reed Richards, who's going to play Susan Storm, you know, who's going to be Doctor Doom. Because, like, Doctor Doom, we've talked about it before in an earlier episode of the podcast. I'm so excited for what they'll do with Doctor Doom. Because, I mean, Secret Wars is coming out officially, coming out soon, finally, since they announced it. And at least from the 2015 Secret Wars comic strip, Doctor Doom is, like, the ultimate villain in it. And so, fingers crossed that they're going to do Doom justice, unlike, like, I really, I don't know the comics too well, but I just have this feeling from what I know that Doctor Doom in the in the early 2000s films and the 2015 film is not justice, but I bet you that with Kevin Feige's help, they're going to do justice to the character, and if he's the main villain of Secret Wars, I mean, literally, my fingers are crossed right now, because please, I want to see that so badly. I bet you he could be one of the greatest Marvel villains ever, almost as good as Thanos, or if he's better than Thanos, that would be cool. We also had Thunderbolts announcement. Thunderbolts, we've talked about before, is kind of this Suicide Squad anti-hero Marvel team, you know. I guess you could say it's Marvel's version of the Suicide Squad. I've heard people talk say that. And it's, they've announced the cast and the roster. Who's going to be on this anti-hero team? And, well, we have Red Guardian, Taskmaster, and Yelena Belova. I probably butchered that from Black Widow. Those three characters on the team, I have for some reason not seen Black Widow yet. I hope that's a good movie, but these three characters will be on that team, and not to mention Ghost from Ant-Man the Wasp, the Winter Soldier, Bucky Barnes, and U.S. Agent, who is that Captain America wannabe, you know, the guy that the U.S. government made Captain the new Captain America from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Those six characters will be on this team. Will this movie be good? I mean, I don't know. I hope it'll be good. I don't know too much about the comics. That's the neat thing about being a guy that didn't know the comics. Most stuff that happens in the MCU, I'm just like, okay, I hope it'll be good. And a lot of times it's good. Sometimes it's not too good. So other stuff was talked about from Marvel at here at D23. I think something about a video game with Black Panther and Captain America that takes place in World War II was talked about. That's cool. I wonder if that would be any good. But stuff like other stuff was talked about here, but now I want to move on to Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm had some really cool stuff that they talked about. You know, new trailer for Andor. Andor is the show, it's a prequel 
to the spinoff of the original Star Wars movie. <laughs> Just kind of a funny way to say it that sounds confusing, you know? You had Rogue One, that movie that came out, probably, I think, top three best things Disney's done with Star Wars, is this movie called Rogue One, which is a prequel to the original Star Wars movie from, from uh, 1977 about how the Rebellion got those plans to destroy the Death Star. Well, one of the main characters of Rogue One is getting this spinoff TV show called Andor, and it comes out September 21st. And, I mean, I hope it'll be pretty good. I mean, I have my doubts in some ways, but, I mean, it's more, it's going to, of course, open up and expand more of this time period between episodes three and four of Star Wars. And also, in the trailer, you see the Galactic Senate. I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, but since me and Garrett, you know, and Adam and my brother Parker, in many respects, I think we're all children of the prequels, as I like to call it, children of the prequel trilogy of Star Wars, and that... We are nerds of those movies, even though, you know, they have their flaws, <laughs> but they're still, we love them. And one of the big things about the prequel trilogy is the Galactic Senate. And the fact that they're bringing back the Galactic Senate is really cool. Looking forward to it. We also had the first trailer for Mandalorian Season 3. Please be better than Book of Boba Fett. Please be better than Book of Boba Fett. Please be better than Book of Boba Fett. I mean... I'll have to see Book of Boba Fett again because I may change my mind. Maybe I'll like it the second time. But the first time I watched Book of Boba Fett, it's not that it was awful. It was just, it just wasn't The Mandalorian. So I'm hoping that season three will be really good of Mandalorian. Really excited for that. First trailer came out. I think, I think they're going to the nation, the planet of Mandalore, which if you're a fan of the Clone Wars or Rebels or the Old Republic, you know, you know that Mandalore had a lot of rich lore and history and... I mean, the word lore is in the title. <laughs> Just kidding. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Not to mention, we had a trailer of Star Wars Tales of the Jedi. Star Wars Tales of the Jedi is a Clone Wars animated style anthology series that brings up more about the origins of Count Dooku and Ahsoka Tano. Really great trailer. Very well-made trailer. It's in that animation style of the Clone Wars or the Bad Batch and Rebels. And yeah, it seems to be, it's like just shorts. But the shorts that they're going to be showing has a lot to do with the, the past of Christopher Lee's character, Count Dooku, and Ahsoka Tano, the character that we all love. So, looking forward to that one to come out, definitely. Not to mention a new trailer for Willow. Willow was a Lucasfilm thing that they did. I really know nothing about it, but I just know that they're doing something new with Willow. And it's really one of their first things that they've done that's not Star Wars related at Lucasfilm. Because once, you know, when Disney bought Lucasfilm, they've just done Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. And it's really most of what Lucasfilm's always done is Star Wars. But they did other stuff like Willow and Howard the Duck and a few other stuff. So, but they're doing something with Willow now. So that's neat, I guess. I mean, I've never seen Willow. Also, we got the first trailer for Indiana Jones 5. Sadly, it was behind closed doors, so that means it wasn't for the public, like they don't have to put it on the internet. But the fact that they have a trailer made likely means we'll see it soon, you know. So hopefully soon in the near future, we'll have a trailer for Indiana Jones 5. Very much cannot wait for that. They talked about other things at D23, such as, I think it's called The Santa Clauses, Tim Allen is returning. I love his show Home Improvement, by the way. But Tim Allen is returning to his role as Santa Claus. Scott Calvin, I believe is his name as well. And for a TV show on Disney Plus this Christmas. So they had a trailer for that. National Treasure is having a spinoff TV show. And I, 
those those first two National Treasure movies, I, they go way back with me and my brother Parker and Garrett. We remember watching those films when we were so much younger. I wonder what this will be like. This isn't. I don't know if this is a replacement for National Treasure three because for years, like ever since two thousand and ten ish, I was always like. We, me and Park were like, when are they going to make National Treasure 3? Because they made those first two films, but now it's like, when's the third one coming out? And it never came out. But there's a spinoff thing coming out. Nick Cage isn't probably going to, isn't in it, but I mean, it might be good. I still want National Treasure 3. This does not, this is not a substitute for a true National Treasure 3. So D23, like we said, a lot of stuff talked about there. I'm sure we could spend a whole episode or more on it. But we're going to move on now to something else, and that is The Rings of Power. You know, the TV show, The Rings of Power, the Lord of the Rings spinoff TV show that takes place a few thousand years before The Lord of the Rings has been going on, and the third episode has just come out. My reaction to this third episode, I found, I found myself really looking forward to watching it. You know, this show's been given a lot of crap, and there are certain things that I do believe are unrealistic about the show. But... For now, I'm just going to put those to the side. Maybe we'll talk about them more in a future episode. Now, I just really want to talk about the good of it. This episode of The Rings of Power, which was called Adar, Season 1, Episode 3, like I said, I found myself really looking forward to watching it. Like, I think this Friday, once again, I'll be like, I'm looking forward to sitting down and watching this thing. It is This episode is by far my favorite episode so far. I've been nerding out so much, and this is the most I've been, like, geeking out and nerding out over a show since Mando season two and all their little talks about, you know, Grand Admiral Thrawn and seeing Boba Fett return, stuff like that that just made me squeal. This has also been like that for me because, like I said, love the book, The Silmarillion. I have my copy of The Silmarillion right beside me right now. One of my favorite books of all time, probably my favorite fiction book, basically one of, if not my favorite fiction book of all time. It's so mythological, so epic, and it basically talks about the first age and the second age of Middle-earth is basically a lot of what it's about. And what they're making with Amazon is not based off the Silmarillion. They don't have the rights. Amazon does not have the rights to the Silmarillion. But if I'm right, if I remember right, they have the rights to the Lord of the Rings books, which include appendices that talk about the same stuff that the Silmarillion talks about in greater detail. So they're allowed to make Silmarillion content is. Because they have the appendices of Lord of the Rings, not because they have the Silmarillion. But either way, it's still Silmarillion-like content. So hearing them talk about Numenor, Numenor plays a big role in my favorite part of the Silmarillion book called Akalabeth. I mean, I'm just so looking forward to seeing that story told, the story of Akalabeth told on the small screen. I also loved how the episode ended with Sauron. You know, we almost got to see Sauron, a.k.a. Adar, like, I'm so looking forward. One of the things I'm looking forward to with this show is to see Sauron more fleshed out as a character on the screen. So, you know, a lot of people have been hating it. You know, I've talked with some people this week that haven't even seen it, but due to them being big Lord of the Rings fans, they were just like, this is not going to be good. And I will say this. If you think it is terrible, to a degree right now, I, I will respect that because... I don't think this show can compare to Jackson's Lord of the Rings movies. Jackson's Lord of the Rings movies that came out in the early 2000s were phenomenal. And, like, they can't be compared to. And, like, there's almost nothing this show, I feel like, could do 
to be better than it or to be compared to it. Like, if you're going to spend all day comparing this show to the Lord of the Rings movies, it's like the, it, the Lord of the Rings movies aren't a class of its own. It's not going to work. And similarly, it's with the Silmarillion. Like, as a big nerd and fan of the Silmarillion, if my sole purpose in watching The Rings of Power was to compare it to the Silmarillion and, and make sure they got everything right, or at least what I think is right, then I'm just going to hate the show because The Silmarillion is such a great book that no TV show that's ever made, I don't, I bet you no TV show ever made could ever do it justice. That's just how much I like The Silmarillion as a book. I mean, and when I say do it justice, I mean if you're going to the nittiest, grittiest, like, if I demanded that the show, The Rings of Power, did everything that I thought would be right for The Silmarillion, I doubt it could do it. I doubt I could make a show based off the Silmarillion that would live up to the Silmarillion. You know, like, it's just a great book. Maybe they could. Maybe someone could do it. But, I mean, The Rings of Power isn't that. But that doesn't mean it's terrible. It really doesn't mean it's terrible. I'm thoroughly enjoying the show so, so far. Even as a Silmarillion fan, I'm enjoying it. It's not perfect. I Like I said earlier in the episode, there's things about it that I think do go against Tolkien. Can't really also just judge the show merely off these first three episodes. I will say these first three episodes have been kind of slow and I could see how that might make people drop the show. And that, that, that makes sense. You know, if you're not a big Lord of the Rings fan and you're like, these first three episodes are kind of boring. So you just move on to something else that makes sense. But if you're a big Lord of the Rings fan, I do hope we keep on watching the show and don't just give up after the first three episodes. You know, like just imagine just watching the first three episodes of Mando. Like, if you just showed me the first two episodes of The Mandalorian, I would not have liked as much as when episode three started. Because episode three, I thought, was like better than the first two episodes of Mando. And what I mean by that is just that, let's give it some chance. Let's show it some grace, so to speak. Maybe it might get better by the end of season one. Maybe season two will be the time when it starts getting really good. I mean, I'm, I'm still having some faith, so to speak, in this show. And I really hope it'll be good. So let me, let's get some background info. You know, I was talking with someone today who's kind of confused about when this show takes place and just like, you know, the whole idea of what's going on. If I think that's what she was talking about. And there's a lot of stuff about the show and about Middle Earth in general that you're, that when you watch it, you're like, okay, they gave a lot of references to stuff that I've never heard of before. So what is that? What's going on in this show? How does this relate to this, to the Lord of the Rings? Well, let's talk a little bit about some stuff like that. One of them has to do with the Valar. Let's talk about the Valar. You know, Typical Middle-earth, like I just said, Middle-earth movies, you know, like The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, they'll just throw words out that, unless you're like a fan of the books, you'd be like, what does they mean by that? You know, like kind of like in the uh, Lord of the Rings movies, they mention Morgoth. And if you've never read The Silmarillion or The Lord of the Rings books, you might be like, who's Morgoth? Why'd they say that? Because they don't even mention why they say it. They just say, like, oh, yes, the Balrog of Morgoth did this. They say something like that in Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring movie. And you might be like, well, who's Morgoth? Well, now in the show, we learned who Morgoth is. He's, like, the first Dark Lord. And something like that happened in episode three of The Rings of Power. And that is they mentioned the Valar. You know, when Galadriel and Halbron, that other guy, go to the island of Numenor... Galadriel tells Halbrand that the Valar gave the island to the Numenorians' ancestors. Now, that's the first time, to my knowledge, they talk about the Valar in this TV show. So, you know, some people who are just watching this after watching the Lord of the Rings movies, you know, they're just like, oh, cool, Lord of the Rings content, and start watching it. They might be like, what the heck are the Valar? 
what is that? What's a Valar? Well, the Valar are like the little g-gods of the world of Middle-earth, which the world of Middle-earth is called Arda. That's the name of the planet. So the Valar are, like I said, they're these little g, quote-unquote, little g-gods of this universe. And they are a lot like the Greco-Roman pantheon, except not as much of jerks. You know, just like these Greek gods like Zeus and all that, a lot of them have elements or titles attributed to, to them. You know, like some, one of them's for wind. That's Manwe, I'm pretty sure. Another one's for water. One of them's the hunting one, the one who does like hunting and all that. And they they live up in a mountain. They have consorts. They have wives, you know. There's a lot of similarities between them and Greco-Roman or Norse deities. So they're kind of like these, the pantheon of Middle-earth. And they rule in the West. You remember in the TV show, the West is where the elves left at the beginning of the first episode. At the beginning of the first episode, you know, uh, Gladriel is narrating and talks about how Morgoth came and stole the light from the true trees. And so all these elves left the West, left Valinor, this paradise, to Middle-earth to basically get revenge and beat up Sauron. So, I mean, not Sauron, uh, Morgoth. So... That right there, that place they left was called Valinor. That's the West. And the West is ruled by these Valar. Now, granted, I just love how they talked about the Valar. Like, that was the moment where I just, like, geeked out in this episode of Middle-earth, of the Rings of Power. And I would so love, 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 love for them to go deeper into the Valar. Like, if we see the Valar in an episode, I'm going to freak out so badly. Now, granted... These Valar, even though they're called gods sometimes, like I have this copy of the Silmarillion and I open up in, to the description of what the Silmarillion is about, it calls them the gods. Even though they're called gods, you know, they're not the ultimate being in Middle-earth. And that is the god, quote-unquote, of Middle-earth, the ultimate divine being that created all things and is before all things, you know. That is Eru Iluvatar. Eru Luvatar is the being that had no beginning in this universe. He's the god of this universe. And he creates these creatures called the Ainur. If you want to read this, please read in the Silmarillion. The very first chapter, or part of the Silmarillion, is called Ayundale. And it is basically about the myth of the creation of the universe. And it's such a beautiful piece of art. Such a great way to begin the book. And it's about this being named Eru Iluvatar creating these Ainur. These are angels called Ainur. And together with the help of the Ainur, he creates the universe through singing. They sing this beautiful melody that's like interwoven and creates reality. And then he sends some of the Ainur to this universe to create what they sung. And some of these Ainur are called Valar. So who are the Valar, these little G-type gods of Middle-earth? Who gave the Numenorians their island? Well, in essence, they're angels that were sent from the god figure to this planet, Middle-earth, to the universe, to create the universe and, I guess, rule it in many respects. And they brought all of the elves to the West. But as we learned in the TV show, they're like, yeah, let's leave the West to go chase this guy named Morgoth, which I said this in the last episode. I'll repeat today. They made that travel from the from the west to the east to take down Morgoth sounds so noble but a whole lot of those elves were terrible men the worst of which was Fenor 
Fenor's talked about in the second episode. He, like, led the charge, so to speak, to the East to take down Morgoth. He was a big jerk. So the TV show tries to make it sound like all the elves leaving the West and going to the East, to Middle-Earth, like this grand noble thing. It wasn't too noble. I'm sure there's some great people that left, but a lot of them, there is some bad stuff that happened with them. So Eru Iluvatar, the god figure, so to speak, the creator of the universe, does not have too much to do with Middle-Earth. He leaves that to the Valar. He leaves, like, kind of this governing the universe to the Valar. But sometimes he does interfere, and he, so he does come in. And what's cool is if the TV show, The Rings of Power, stays true to the Silmarillion, which, yes, they don't have rights to, but they kind of do with the appendices, then he will have to play a part before the show is over. Because, like I said before, a Calabeth. A Calabeth is this part of the Silmarillion that is about Numenor, the city in this third episode. And it's the Calabeth basically the downfall of Numenor. It's another name for it. It's a tragic story, but Eru Iluvatar actually plays a part in it. The Valar play a part in it. The West plays a part in it. And Sauron plays a part in it. So I'm so hoping that if they stay true to Tolkien's Legendarium and the canon, that they'll go into this story. And like, I am so excited if they do. By the way, Morgoth also was a Valar. His, his, his name before that was Melkor. Well, I think that's enough nerd talk for now. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of We Love That Podcast. If you liked our show, please feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget you can like us on Facebook or Instagram. Hope you all have an amazing and wonderful week. My name is Paxton Pritchett, and we will see you all next time.